to do with this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks for the opportunity we have. We thank you again for conversational English and for all of the people who were involved, just your servants whom you used and worked through and changed some people's lives for eternity. Heavenly Father, continue your work and to do that even this morning. Thank you for the 12 people who came to faith recently through another faithful servant, simply using Master Life. So, Lord, use your word, achieve your purposes. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sad news during the week, as Barbara reminded us in prayer that our Queen has passed away. She was a believer and she's gone to be home with the Lord Jesus. Someone sat Rhonda this clip. Um, the Queen exclaimed once, how I, to her chaplain, how I wish that the Lord Jesus would come in my lifetime. And the chaplain said, why? And the Queen then replied with quivering lips and her whole countenance lit up. And with deep emotion she said, because I should so very much love to lay my crown at his feet. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, lovely lady. And now we have King Charles III. Can pray for him. Uh, the task in front of him is certainly huge. Um, and there are certainly some issues. So just pray for him as indeed you pray for those in our land, in our government, and for those in authority over us. We are looking this morning, we're continuing with uh, Elijah. Um, and I've called this Ravens and a Brook. It's a wonderful story. Elijah has come from Gilead and he's gone all the way to Samaria, to the capital city, into the ivory palace where the King Ahab was and delivered his message, uh, which is uh, what we looked at last week at the end of it. Uh, Elijah the Tishbite from Gilead goes down and he appears before Ahab and says, as the Lord the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand. Um, there's not going to be any dew or any rain for the next few years, except at my word. Um, and I was just thinking during the week, I wonder what was going through Elijah's mind as he, as he left Gilead and wandered down to Samaria. Would have taken some days, I would think, to get there. I wonder if he was expecting, you know, well, what's next? I deliver this message and do I stay in the palace? Does God want me simply to be a visible, physical reminder, like in Ahab's face, that he is disobeying God and the drought is caused by his rejection of God and uh, worshipping Baal? And Is that what God wanted me to do? Well, maybe I should go knock on the doors of the people who live in Samaria and preach on the corners and tell people that uh, they need to repent as well. They need to give up Baal and return to the Lord and he'll have mercy upon us, he'll forgive us and he'll send the rain. Or maybe I should go on a preaching tour to the northern tribes. Who knows? Some of those thoughts may have been in his mind. But for us, we don't need to worry, and nor did Elijah for that matter, um, because the word of the Lord is going to come to him. Before I do that, why did God send Elijah to Ahab? wasn't necessary. The drought would be obvious. But what wouldn't be obvious, perhaps, is the connection between the drought is caused by my sin, the drought is caused by our rebellion against God. So God sent Elijah, his prophet, his spokesman, to point that out. It's a demonstration, again, of God's kindness, God's goodness, 
how God is continually warning people, telling people, connecting the dots for people, reaching out to people. He's never left himself without a witness, as we said last week. And surely Elijah is someone who is very obedient. He does exactly what God wants him to do. And that theme appears certainly in this story and also throughout all of the stories associated with Elijah. So Elijah has gone from Gilead down to Samaria, delivered the message, and then the word of the Lord's going to come to him, verse 2. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah. He is God's servant. He does stand before God. So, and he is a prophet, and God speaks to the prophets who then speak to the people. That was, and he was given very specific instructions. Leave here, turn eastward, cross the Jordan again, go find the brook Cherith, and hide yourself there, um, because... You, you can drink from the brook, which is still flowing. The drought has been here for about six months, we calculate. Uh, the brook is still flowing, God's goodness, probably fed by a mountain stream, melting stones in the mountains or something. And he, God says, I have directed the ravens to supply you with food. And Elijah goes. So Elijah did what the Lord told him. He went to the brook Cherith, east of the Jordan, and he stayed there. Interesting, we'll come back to that. The ravens brought him food and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And after a period of time, which we'll talk about, sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. It's a very simple story, isn't it? Very simple, but filled with lots of application for us as you think about it. Simple story with helpful challenges for us. Firstly, the word of the Lord came to Elijah when after he had obeyed God the first, in the first verse. After he had been obedient and he told Ahab there was going to be a drought, no rain, no dew. After he had been obedient, then the word of the Lord came. That's pretty typical for the Lord. As you read through the scriptures, you will find that God directs us after we have been obedient. He gives us a command, he gives us a challenge, he gives us something to do and he waits for us to do it. Once we've done it, then the channels are open and he'll give us the next bit. He guides us one step at a time. He didn't give Elijah a three-year plan. He tells him what the next step is. And there are other steps that'll come and God will reveal that to him. So obedience leads to God's guidance. Perhaps you're not hearing or finding God's will or God's guidance for you because you're not obeying or doing the thing that God wanted you to do. It's worth thinking about. Why doesn't God give us a command that if we don't do it, why doesn't he give us another command? Because he doesn't want to add to our disobedience. He gives us a command and he waits for us to obey. And he'll do all sorts of things to motivate us, to help us to obey. And he can do nice things, he can do hard things, he can do all sorts of things, different people, different circumstances. But the key is, very simple, obedience. That's what he looks for. He looks for that in us. He looks for that in his servants. And he looks for it and finds it certainly in his prophet, Elijah. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. And in this word from God, there is a command. There's a promise. The command is, leave here, turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith. Cherith, east of the Jordan. It's a little bit difficult. We don't know where the brook Cherith is. Nor are we certain um, that it's east of the Jordan. Because the Hebrew phrase, east of the Jordan, means literally facing Jordan. 
near the mouth of the Jordan. The Christian Standard Bible translated as that feeds into the Jordan. Um, wherever it is, it's certainly remote. Um, and there are a few other things awkward about the way it's translated. But anyway, Elijah is told to go by this brook, its location, and he is to hide himself. I wonder what that was like for Elijah, to hide himself. God is taking him out of the very public ministry, the public phase of doing something, and taking him into a very private place where it would be quiet, where he would be alone, solitude, into the shadow of obscurity. Why? Well, one possibility, there are several possibilities. Here's one. At the end of verse 1, Notice where it says, not going to be any dew or any rain except at my word. I mentioned this in passing last week, but just the way that sounds to me, I kept thinking about it this week, it sounds a little arrogant. It could be understood that way. None of the commentators have picked up on that, so I'm not overly confident that it should be read that way. But it's possible. There's not going to be any dew or any rain that's what God said, and I'm just relaying that. And it's not going to be any rain until I pray again and ask for the rain. So it's up to me. Just a little bit at my word. It's really at God's word, as it is in, as we'll find out in chapter 18. Um, except, and if that's the case, if he's a little bit arrogant, then God is taking him out of the public into the private to grow him a little bit, to correct him a little bit. Maybe that's part of it. There's another reason why Elijah's been taken out of the brook and to hide by the brook. Many commentators think it's because to protect a, uh, Elijah, to protect him from Ahab. Because in chapter 18, you certainly have Jezebel. She seems to be, you know, the lady who wore the pants in the family. She seems to be in charge, not the king, not Ahab. Um, she's um, angry and she's killing, getting the prophets, the, the Lord's prophets killed. Um, and some of them are taken and hidden and protected. And Elijah's not aware of all of that going on. Um, so maybe it's for his protection. And I think, I think that's unlikely. Why? Well, because in chapter 18, when Elijah eventually does meet Ahab, there's no threat. God protects him then. God is more than capable of protecting him. He doesn't need to take him away and hide him. So there's another reason. And I think this is probably the main reason. The Lord took Elijah away from Ahab out of the public domain and hid him so that he could not be found as further punishment upon Ahab. There was not just a famine of water and of food that was coming, but there was a famine of access to the word of God, the prophet. Because of Ahab's reaction or response to the message that he was given in verse 1, God then removes the prophet. Not as they say, to protect him, but more is to punish him. Amos chapter 8 talks about God sending another famine, a famine of hearing the word of God. And I think that's probably the most likely reason. And then not only that, but God is also preparing his servant for the future ministry. God's going to teach him some things and grow him up a little bit. The Bible certainly underlines for us that God's word is a gift. It's a blessing. And if you look at it, us in the West, in our country, 
then we have an abundance. God's word is read, God's word is preached, God's word is taught. You can buy copies of it. We have an abundance of English translations. It's on YouTube, podcasts. There are books written about it. We live in an abundance of God's provision of his word to us. So what? Well, don't neglect it. Don't take it for granted. Just because it's around so often, it will not always be the case. There will come a day when it will be taken away from us. Maybe not in our lifetime. Maybe not in our grandchildren's life. Who knows? But there's coming a time when we believers will be hated by all nations before the Lord comes back. So that day is coming. And you get glimpses of it with what's coming through various human rights and various organisations who are seeking to undermine the Judeo-Christian ethic and attacking Christian schools. and They'll turn the attack upon the church before very long and we'll be very restricted in what we'll be able to say and teach. Those days are approaching us. So don't neglect God's word. Read it every day. Read it together. Read it with one another. Read it with your kids. Get a nice children's Bible and read them at their age-appropriate levels, but it's a wonderful blessing that God has given us. Don't neglect the word of God. So God takes Elijah, says, go hide. And Ahab, we are told, certainly was sending people out into everywhere looking for him. Couldn't find him. We'll read that in a few weeks again. God says to him, the command, leave, go hide yourself. Uh, here is the promise. You can drink from the brook and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Isn't that a wonderful thing? How would you like that? Your menu is going to be not overly exciting. As we read, it's going to be bread and meat, sandwiches, for breakfast and for dinner. What's for breakfast? Sandwiches. What's for dinner? Sandwiches. On and on. How long did this go on for? Well, nobody knows. But in the beginning of verse 7 it says, and it came to pass at the end of those days. And that phrase is often used in other contexts. It's a general phrase, you can't be too dogmatic. But some commentators and preachers think he was there for about a year. At the end of days is at the end of the cycle of days, one year. So you'll drink from the brook, which is still flowing, still bubbling, still nice and cool and refreshing, coming off the snows of the mountains somewhere. And I've directed the ravens. Ravens are unclean birds, Leviticus chapter 11. Why would God use ravens to supply him with food? Because ravens are always carrying food. Seen crows by the side of the road? What are they doing? Picking up roadkill? Ugh. Did they bring him roadkill? No, they would have brought him clean meat. They would have brought him cooked meat. From where? Well, people had barbecues and picnics and left food out and the ravens would come. It's a wonderful story told of a couple, a, a widow, and she had a son uh, in Germany uh, centuries ago. And believers, and they knew this story, and they, this widow, had run out of food and money and resources. And it was a curfew in this particular village where she lived, and all the doors are supposed to be shut at a certain time, and she was destitute. She, she knew the need, and so she shared with her son, and they prayed, and he went on a cold winter's night, fires going, 
and she'd probably down to the very end of her firewood, so she knew the end was coming, approaching. And he opens the front door and leaves the front door open. The burgomaster, who's doing his tour of the city, you know, uh, examining everything is locked up, sees a front door and he inquires what's going on, finds out the situation and he said, oh, I blew this story, he said, let me be the one who cares for you. What I forgot to tell you, it's what happens when you get old, um, the mother said to the son when he opened the front door, what are you doing? And he said, it's so the ravens can come in. Because he knew this story. God's provision. God still sends ravens. But it's an unclean bird. Why would God use unclean bird? Well, this is a, a, a bit of a stretch, but it's a truth. And this story illustrates it more than teaches it. Uh, while ravens are unclean, they can deliver clean food. And they did to Elijah. Bread and meat, as we'll see in a moment. Um, God can deliver good things through unclean instruments. He usually works through clean instruments, clean followers. But God can take somebody who is disobedient and still achieve his purposes because it's not the person, it's not the instrument who achieves his purpose, it's the gospel. And the gospel can come through somebody who is not living right. This is Ravi Zacharias. And often people, when you come to faith and the person who led you to faith departs from the faith, become a heretic or, you know, they deny the faith or whatever. The person who led me to faith, a high school teacher, he's given up, he's denied the faith, he's walked away, he's divorced, no longer follows Jesus. So I've never wrestled with that particular thing, but I know some people do. Well, this, God can use ravens to supply good food. God can use imperfect, unclean instruments to achieve his good purposes. Judas would be another example. There is a person who didn't know Jesus personally, but he went out on missions. He probably performed miracles. He preached the word. I wonder if people came to faith through Judas. Wouldn't you question your faith after knowing what he did? Well, anyway, that's an illustration of that truth. Um, that God is the one who works and it's his gospel that's true and pure you'll drink from the brook I have directed the ravens to supply you with food and the ravens are obedient just as Elijah is so he did what the Lord told him that's the key point of this God can use ravens because God is sovereign all creatures obey the Lord donkeys all sorts Ravens in this story. And the ravens are not used in any other story. They're mentioned with Noah and the flood, of course. But the ravens aren't used to feed anybody else in the scriptures. It's a one-off, a one-time thing. Again, typical of God. He's always doing something new and something different. Elijah here is fully obedient. And that's what God's looking for, full obedience. Just do what I say. He went to the brook, found Cherith, east of the Jordan, and he stayed there. Didn't go for a weekend wasn't just a camping holiday. He went to the brook because God had told him to do so. And it's simple obedience and it's ongoing obedience. If you want to live for God in an evil world like us, if you want to live for God, then you need to simply obey God. And it's not obey God once. It's obey God again and again and again. It's a day-by-day -day basis. And that's what Elijah is doing. 
He is simply obeying God. Simple story, great truth. So he did what the, um, the Lord had told him to do. And he stayed there, probably, as I said, for up to 12 months. Hmm. And this may have been difficult for Elijah because he's a man of words. He's a man who likes to preach. And here he is hiding, locked away in solitude and silent. Maybe that's what God will be doing in your life. He might be doing it right now. Still achieving his purposes through each of us. So just as Elijah was obedient, so were the ravens. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning. No fruit, no veg, no dessert. And bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the book. So if you're a man like me, the Bible says you only need to have bread and meat. You don't have to have vegetables. <laughs> Sustained Elijah. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I don't think so. And he drank from the brook. So at this point, everything is going swimmingly. Ahab's looking for him, can't find him. He's quiet and hidden, protected, being prepared, being changed, being silent. And then after a period of time, sometime later, the brook dried up. That's not something that happens overnight. You're in the place where God has assigned you. You've been obedient. You're at Kerith because God told you to go there and stay there. And he is. And the brook is shrinking. It's drying up. It's drying up because he prayed. And in one sense, it's an answer to his prayers that God heard him and is doing it. But it's also the place that God had sent to provide for him and it's shrinking. And he's watching it. What do you think he would do? What would you do? I reckon he'd be praying. What do you think he would be praying? <laughs> Lord, is it time? Where do you want me to go? Lord, do you want me to stay here? He may have prayed something like this. Guess. Lord, situation's not good. If it's your will or if you desire me to perish here then I will perish. And if it's your will for me to move from here and that you will still use me, then direct me. I am your servant and I await your directions. I am here because you sent me here. I will remain here until you tell me to move. And maybe instead of saying amen to that, he may have gone, hello, because <laughs> he wanted to hear from God. Then one morning, the creek, the Brook was no longer flowing. There was no water flowing at all. It was just wet sand. Before very long, the wind would come and just evaporate it all and dry it out. Now there is a dry creek bed waiting. The next verse, which we'll get to next week, and the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Just like in the beginning, God answered. But God answers on his timetable. For us, it's always, or it nearly always seems, to be late. Why doesn't he do it earlier? I wouldn't mind having a, you know, a one-year plan. What's going on for the next year, God? Let's work it out. And you know why God doesn't tell us? Because we are so rebellious and so independent of God, we'll go our own way. We'll do it without him. That's why he gives us this step. Do this. Okay, good. Now do this. Good. Anything else? No, just wait. Now do this. 
one step at a time. Our Cantonese brothers and sisters had a mid-autumn festival this week, yesterday. You can see some of the decorations out here. And several weeks ago, a time ago, they ordered decorations for the mid-autumn festival and they ordered them from China. They had planned to come together yesterday at one o'clock to set up all of the decorations and to get ready for their celebrations last night. Weeks are passing. They're praying and praying that the decorations will arrive on time. On Friday morning, Pastor Alvin tells the staff this on Friday, on uh, Friday morning, no decorations. It's the next day, Saturday. On Friday morning, Pastor Alvin gets a text or he gets an email, he gets notified that the decorations have arrived. You can pick them up tomorrow between 12 o'clock and 1 o'clock. What time are they going to start decorating? 1 o'clock. When does God answer? Almost always late. <laughs> Almost always late. Not late. Almost late. Why? Because he wants you to trust him. It's marvellous, isn't it? When those sorts of things happen, you get goosebumps and it's chilling. What happens when the decorations don't arrive on time? Well, the answer is no. Sometimes our Heavenly Father says, no, it's not going to happen. Because he's got his own purposes. He can send a prophet to Samaria to speak publicly. He can say to that same prophet, now go hide yourself. He could have left Elijah there in public. He could have let Elijah be killed, as some of the other prophets were killed. God is a God who is at work and he's working his purposes out. And I think, you know, we live in a world like Elijah, where wherever God has placed us, sometimes stuff dries up. Things change. Things were once comfortable and going great, and then it's like getting difficult and harder and... It can happen in your business, it can happen with your bank account, it can happen with your career, it can happen in your ministry. It can happen in your marriage. It can happen with conversational English. Where it serves a season and then God says, okay, let's do something different. We've all experienced it, I'm sure, Brooks drying up. God is not dead. He hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't forgotten us. He's just working stuff out. I like this quote. Dried up brooks do not cancel out God's providential plan. Dried up brooks do not cancel God's providential plan. He's still in control. He still knows. He still loves. Just be open. Lord, what do you want me to do? John Bunyan in the 17th century was a preacher, a very godly preacher, who preached... Um, the gospel and God's word and preached very powerfully um, but got imprisoned for it by the authorities. While he was in prison, of course, he lost all opportunity and all freedom to be able to teach God's word. So what did he do? He wrote a book, Pilgrim's Progress. Probably the most famous Christian book, certainly allegory, outside of the scriptures. Still being yet read and used and printed even today. The Apostle Paul got arrested, things dried up. What did he do when he got arrested? Well, he wrote letters. He wrote, you know, Romans and he wrote Philippians and Ephesians and Colossians. Magnificent. He wrote the word of God. Holy Spirit through him to us. So I'm not sure if things are drying up in your life, in your world. It happens. But look to the one who was in charge of the ravens and who was in charge of the rain 
He's the God who was in control. Baal isn't. Substitutes aren't. Science is not in control. Our Heavenly Father is. He's the creator. Lord, what's your will for me? To stay here and to perish? Is it your will for me to move or change? Direct me. I stand before you and I await your direction. We, like Queen Elizabeth, come Lord Jesus, and we need to lay our crown before his feet. We need to lay our life and surrender to him. Your will be done. We are your servants. We stand in your presence, and we will do exactly what you say. That's our purpose. That's what this passage teaches us. Let's pray together. Father, you are a good, good God. You're so kind. You have communicated your will to us through your word, the Bible. You've demonstrated your word through us through the life of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have provided for us an abundance where we can hear, learn what you want us to do. Lord, just as you guided Elijah, guide us. Guide us one step at a time. Help us not to rely on our own understanding, but to consider you in all of our ways and to experience you directing our path. Lord, our life is in your hands. Take us and use us as you see fit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a good week. Walk with God. Seek his face.